Now, I have to say, in the lead-up to the holidays, I felt a bit weird. I think because it was obvious as 2020 rolled on that I wasn't going to be spending any of these significant calendar dates with Magnus, you know, in the home that we had imagined together. Hold up. And every time something kind of big went past. It wasn't overwhelming, but it was like this little ping as a reminder that this plan hadn't happened yet. I'm grabbing mine. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Wait, I need to grab. So you haven't even said hello. So I had the FaceTime Christmas. You haven't even said hello. What do you mean Christmas? Give you me some shit. You said Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's go. Give me something. We made the most of it. Wait, I need to get my presents. Whoa. I I don't not like oysters or anything on this table. I only like ham and bread. Those are the two things that I like on this table. Thank you. And then I was lucky enough to have the family Christmas as well. You met my mum and my dad already last episode. Ooh, he gets flying. Watch out, the fly. Don't land on the food. Oh, he's not a fly, something. And we are here at my brother and his wife's place. Is something stuck in your teeth? And. Welcome to Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. They're two beautiful boys. All right, that's it. Merry Christmas. It's um, it's just to get like uh, background shots, but don't touch that. Yeah. Don't touch that because that just ruins the no, thank you. the audio. Anyway, but that's it. I'm gonna stop it now. One of the biggest things I've noticed recently is this feeling that I'm losing time. I hate it. It's hard to stomach. It feels unfair. And sometimes it feels like it's going to be this way forever. I don't know about you, but I get really good at bottling it up. And all my friends know that I compartmentalize and then I end up with something really fucked like lockjaw but I know that this is not the way to do things. Instead, how do we deal with this stuff on an everyday level? How do we lean into that vulnerable feeling, whether it's losing time or feeling like you're missing out, and then move the fuck on? In my world, 
One of the ways I manage the shittiness of not being in America with Magnus is that by being in Australia, I get way more time with my nonna, my Italian grandmother, who I found really hard to leave in the first place. Hi, nonna. You see me? Why am I to this? I know because I couldn't come and see you. I know. I'm worried about you. Nonna's backstory. In 1966, she moved her family from a small town in Campania in Italy to Sydney. Are you taking some vitamins? It was that typical immigrant story of Australia symbolising a better life, the best life. And when we were growing up, we spent three nights a week eating at Nonna and Nonno's house. All the aunts and uncles, all the grandkids, and Nonna would cook these huge, amazing meals. I would be allowed to have a sip of wine. Um, All the adults would play cards after dinner and the kids would run around eating so much gelato. (laughs) He's a naughty boy. So Nonna has always been the matriarch keeping the family together and it was like this right up until a couple of years ago when she had a fall. Nonna is now 96 and living in a nursing home. So you can imagine that from seeing her family and giving so much to them every single day, someone was always visiting her, now she is largely isolated I know. I will. I will come. I will come as soon as I can. So it's sad, and that's why I think it's so important that I try and see her as much as I can. So Mother's Days and birthdays, and of course Christmas. I know. I can't hold your hand. This last Christmas, our family had this special plan: take Nonna out of the nursing home, have family Christmas together. But with a COVID spike right before the holidays, Nonna's nursing home basically went into lockdown and she couldn't leave. I will. I love you. I'm sorry I cannot see you. I miss you very much. I miss you too, everybody. Every grandson and granddaughter. I love you. I will see you soon, okay? Okay, darling. Thank you. Ciao, Papa. I think it's particularly shit with stuff like this because if you feel like you're losing time progressing in your career or if I feel like I'm losing time with Magnus, at least I can tell myself we're young, we'll have so much more to come. But with Nonna, I know that I may only have one more Christmas or one more New Year's. Time to say goodbye to 2020. Is it? Yeah, kick it out. Oh my God, we're ready to do it. We've been feeling Shall the we? love all Here night. Here we go. Here we go, Jess. 10, oh. 9, 8, eight 7, seven six, 6, 5, 4, 3, three 2, 1. Love, baby, love. Happy New Year! Happy New Year!
On New Year's Eve, I ended up presenting the countdown on TV. It was awesome because it was a distraction from being away from Magnus. Plus, I made friends with my co-host. We've just pulled up to his house and we have brought him croissants. Hello. Hello. Yay. Whoa. Oh, my God. I just almost fucking fucking face planted in this huge lobby. Jeremy Fernandez is a journalist and TV news okay, presenter. Great. Wow, okay, so we're walking into Jez's apartment. Yes, I've just moved here. We bonded straight away on New Year's because we both have families that we really miss who are back in Malaysia. No, you didn't. It's in the oven. Are you fucking yes. kidding? No, no, yeah, what did you do? I baked a ginger cake. I brought you a croissant. I brought us a few croissants. And we shared this strange moment at midnight as the fireworks went off. So it was an emotional night as it was. I mean, I get really pensive at the start, end of a year, at the start of New Year anyway, and I think about what have I done, what have I achieved, you know? Am I the person I wished I would be? Am I that person to other people? And then we did the countdown, the fireworks came on, and I remember just looking at you and I think my eyes were welling up and I just said, Happy New Year. And I think you looked back at me the same as well and just thought, here we are in one of the most spectacular places in the world, under the sails of the Opera House, looking at the Harbour Bridge lighting up and we're here by ourselves mm. and would give anything to have a hug, mm. to give a hug and to be with the people we care about. And it was just such a moment of polar emotions of being absolutely ecstatic to be there and really missing the people I wish could be there with me. Where else would you rather be? Mm. I can think of the exact place and the person that I'd rather be with. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. just, and then I think, I think I said to you, I can't even give you a hug because of social distancing. Yeah. Yeah. And that hits the point for me that there is this push-pull in simultaneously being privileged for the position that you're in while also allowing yourself to feel a bit of that sadness. Everyone's got stuff going on. You know, it's not a competition about who's had a worse life, who's had a better life. And we all just need to have some compassion for others equally because what we feel is what we feel. There's no competition, there's no ranking system about, you know, whether your feelings are, you know, legitimate or not. That's up to each individual to kind of deal with. In so many ways, we, we are so lucky in Australia to be, you know, the circumstance we're in, particularly with COVID. But a lot of us still feel grief for a whole lot of other things. And so there's this tension, isn't there, that you, you, we sort of should feel grateful, but at the same time, feeling an immense sense of loss and people do have first world problems. There's no doubt about that. But I think sometimes it's worth acknowledging how the person is feeling rather than the merits of what they're going through. I think that's something that we need to remember almost all the time because it's such an easy thing to discount how you're feeling. Like, of course, there's someone else that has it so much worse. So it's so much easier to just shove it to the side. I used to think when I was younger that the older I got, the better I would get at 
shoving things aside and not dealing with them. And that by the time I got to, you know, my 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, I would be so good at being in complete control of my mind and emotions that I, that life would be great. And in fact, the complete opposite has happened. And I think the lesson I've learned is that in order to get to a point where you're ready to move on and let go and develop emotionally, spiritually, professionally, you need to lean into some of the discomfort, feel it, walk around in it, see how it fits you for size. And I've done that several times in my life. And I think that's the hard thing. You've got to kind of look at the prospect of deconstructing yourself. Look, for me, I certainly got to a certain point after a particularly uh, bad breakup a few years ago that I thought, I'm sick of this. I can't keep, you know, beating myself up and being angry and all that kind of thing. I said, I don't even like who I am anymore. I don't even like what that relationship turned me into. And I just want to go back to being big hearted. And I think when you're grieving, when you're sad, it's really difficult to be generous, to be understanding, compassionate and big hearted. I think ultimately that's what most people want, to be able to have the capacity to be able to stand up, to sometimes be a beacon for others and to love without reservation. Um, and I think for all the things that we've gone through in this past year particularly, I know I certainly have um, personally, I think the lesson is you've got to feel it before you're ready to take the next step and do something else, do something different. Um, and kind of promise yourself that it's not going to be forever. And that promise is really hard to believe when you are in the thick of it. But it's an important one. I think most people can't hold down those feelings for too long. It bubbles up in the weirdest ways, whether it's, you know, kind of... I mean, I, I, I'm one of those people where if I'm really stressed out... I lose my appetite. It's the opposite of comfort eating, <laughs> sort of the comfort starving. Not that I'm deliberately trying to starve, I've just got no appetite. So a few years ago when I was going through a really, really bad time, I was sort of shedding the weight like crazy, just couldn't stomach anything without feeling nauseous. Um, but still turning up at work, still appearing on the news, and people would write in and go, Jeremy, are you okay? Because you've kind of, um, you're looking a bit unwell. <laughs> um, and I dropped about 20% of my body weight. So I went down to about 53 kilos. I'm 5'10", so 53 kilos basically makes me look like a bean pole. Now, when you wear a suit, you kind of cover that, cover that up a little bit. But I looked very unwell, um, and I was unwell, um, but was still very functional, you know. And so this is the thing. Like, you can be functional, you can be kind of – you can put on the show and you can keep up the act – but ultimately those things bubble up in really weird ways mm. and that kind of takes you down. Yes, and I can think of some major examples of where I have done the Linda equivalent of this. You may have done it too, but letting it out needs to happen. You do stop crying. Yeah, I mean, when you are kind of really heartbroken um, and we've all been through various sorts of heartbreaks, when you are heartbroken, sometimes you go, I'm never going to get over this. I'm going to be broken for life. Yeah, it's a really scary place to be, isn't it? When you kind of cry and cry and cry. But I think, I do think you kind of, once you've felt it enough, your heart lets it go. 
to a degree. It doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you lose the life lesson. But I think there is something to be said for feeling it enough that you can feel at least psychologically ready to, look, to release it and to be open to something else. That's key. When you're ready to feel it, you will then be ready to move on. I have this conversation with my daughter about, you know, when, when you miss someone and when you're feeling sad about that. I always say to her, that sadness that you feel, the tears that are rolling down your face, it's not a bad thing. It's actually love. The sadness you feel is love. Don't mistake it for something bad. It's love that doesn't know where to go. It needs to find a place. And I always say to her, if you're feeling that sadness and you're missing someone or you're wishing for something that can't happen or didn't happen, it's because you're feeling love. And what a gift that is to feel that love and to have someone who loves you and to love back someone else it means that you're alive and you'd much rather be in that position than not have someone to love, not be loved and not to feel that sadness. Okay, so whatever your feelings are about, they're valid. And it's okay sometimes to let those feelings out. You've got to take care of yourself. It's different for everyone, isn't it? Because for me, I found a love for lifting heavy things at the gym. Now, I don't look it. I know I don't look it. But I love lifting heavy things at the gym because it just takes my mind off anything else. All I can think about is pushing this, you know, kind of dumbbell above my head and hoping for the best that it doesn't crash in my face. That's all I can think about. And that for me, is a, is a release. And then some moments, I don't know if you get this, but I certainly do. Sometimes I think, I've had a really bad day and I just need to have a cry. What am I going to do? Oh, yes, there's the Jez Spotify <laughs> playlist to cry to. <laughs> and it's all the songs that make me cry, basically. Yes, yes bring, um, them, bring them. Um, there's a particular Coldplay song <laughs> no, I'm going to get Which completely disowned by all my friends and family for even mentioning Coldplay, but it makes me cry every time I listen to it because it takes me back to a time when I was having some of these really tough life lessons about looking after myself, drawing a line about what I was and wasn't going to be grateful for. Um, there's a Tommy Emmanuel version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Um, which I always used to sing to my daughter um, when she was little. And then I go, right, I'm done. I need something upbeat now. And then I dance in my living room because we can't dance with anyone else. So I put on, <laughs> I put on YouTube of people dancing and I dance along with them in my living room. I do that too. Do I, put on, I put on DJ sets on, on YouTube and I dance around. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, so that's what I do. I have a cry. I go and lift heavy things at the gym. I go to work and I focus, focus, focus. And then I come home and I dance in my living room. But, ooh, <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> it's cake time. Oh, Jeremy is one of those people that just inspires you to give love out in any capacity that you can. Oh, what? Perfect. Perfect? It smells incredible in here. Like, we are allowed to feel tender when we need to. 
And we need to trust in that process that we'll be our al dente selves on the other side. And even if the wait feels like forever, It's not. I'm not allowed to kiss. I know, we miss you too. Nipote, nipote. Carmelinda. I know, I know. I will, and I put my mom, yeah, I got it. You're not losing time. You're doing other valuable things that you just hadn't planned for. So, if you will excuse me, I have signed in. I have pretended to high-five all the nurses on the way to her room. And I have a spicy little nonna to finally hang out with again. Oh, yeah. And you were fine. He I was fine. fine. Yeah. Was fun, yeah. You lost a bit of weight <laughs> giving all your milk, <laughs> but your your boobs got smaller. In my boob before you had too much milk, too much milk. <laughs> my boob. Yeah. Too much milk. Too much milk. What that? Uh huh. Before I go, I want to take a minute to say hi and thank you to some tough cookies who have shared their stories with me. First of all, Astrid. It is a dreary as fuck winter right now where you are in Belgium in lockdown in your studio apartment. You said it's really hard to see on Instagram your mates back home in Australia soaking up summer. Meanwhile, your boyfriend is in Hungary and the only way to see you is if he takes a 15-hour train. Last time that happened, he got turned back at the fucking border. You told me he was going to try again this Sunday. So, did he make it to you? And Taria, stuck in grey London. You've been trying to get back to Australia since March 2020. I am so glad that you, hearing my mum, Janet, vacuuming... It doesn't matter, I can't do anything when it's going on reminded you of something your Chinese-Malaysian mum would do and the jumble of cultures with your Finnish dad. You also wanted to know about how I froze my eggs, which I'll be getting into in great detail in a couple eps time. It's so cool to know that even though our lives are so different and I'm talking to you underneath... 40,000 blankets and pillows in my dad's spare room that we have these similarities that show that life isn't easy but we can feel stronger together. Send me a note on Instagram anytime at Linda Mariano 
maybe look up the spelling of my last name, it's a doozy, or email hellotoughlove at gmail.com. Tough Love is a podcast by me, Linda Mariano, produced by me and Amelia Chapelo, with support from Mike Williams. Join me every two weeks on your podcast player. Make sure you hit subscribe so you can hear new episodes when they're out every fortnight. And if you want to, leave me a review. Okay, thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye.